This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. What? I'm just looking at you. Anyway, uh, and welcome everybody. Welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I'm your host, John Allen, and uh, I will present my illustrious uh, but strange guest in just a couple of minutes. Before we get to that, though, I'd like to tell you all that if you look in the description of this episode, whether you're watching it on YouTube or listening to it on a podcast platform, look in the description of this episode. You'll see a few links that you can click on where you can contribute, um, support um, what I do and the work that I do here on the Coming On Podcast with John Allen. Your support and your donations, whether they are monetary, spiritual, or otherwise are greatly appreciated. Um, yeah, so thanks for your support. And here I am sitting with the illustrious Snoopy. Good morning, everybody. Can you get your little face onto the mic? <coughs> what? Put your face more into the mic. There I you go. Huh? <laughs> it's into the mic. Yes. So what's Hello. up, girl? Um... Not much. You're getting famous. There was a little bit of a stir that was caused. Now, this is the feedback from just one person. Okay, let who, me hear it. Yeah. Um, well, we kind of talked about it a little bit. We didn't really get into it. Yeah. But uh, the feedback that I got from um, someone who uh, watches and listens to the podcast, and they said that they don't like the way I, the way I, uh, what was the word that they used? The way I talk about you on my podcast in social media. So what are your thoughts on that? The mic is yours. Hmm. The way you talk about me. Well, I'm trying to think what to say. Well, don't do that. You're not supposed to think about I it. It's supposed to come from the heart. I usually don't think, do I? I just say it. And and that's the thing. Um, you know, if um, I've been working in the psychiatric field for over 20 years. Uh-oh, I'm about to get and analyzed. if I cannot handle your little funny things <laughs> on this podcast or and whatever you put on on Facebook, then um, I'd say I, I am the one that's going to have a problem. <laughs> you know? I mean... Well, my whole thing is, is, is um, <clears throat> the things that I say to you on the podcast, the things because that I love. write, the things, well, I've said it before, I tease because I love. I mean, that is an old uh, adage that you can apply to a 12-year-old, you know, an eight-year-old boy who has a crush on the girl sitting in front of him, and he yanks on her ponytail and, and teases her and stuff. He's only doing that because he's got a crush on her, he's in love with her, he doesn't know how to express it. Now, that's a, that's a juvenile um, uh, assessment of that phrase. But <clears throat> in my case, I, you could say from the very minute we met, our relationship you start was based, teasing me right away. Was, was based on humor, yeah. Oh my goodness, remember uh, you were like touching my calves, I was just walking by, I didn't hardly know who you were. Remember that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I squeezed your cat. No, because I couldn't believe... Okay, everybody. Now, as you, all you guys see is her hands and maybe the little rim of her little cap that she has on and her hands and stuff. So she's 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 not filmed uh, on the video, uh, the video uh, version of this podcast because she has reasons for wanting to stay out of the camera. Not because of how she looks. She's quite beautiful. She looks quite exotic. With the Norwegian cheekbones and, and 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 all that stuff, 
Um, but she has quite an, in, I'll call it an interesting figure. And now I've, I have a background as a bodybuilder. Uh, I'm currently a power lifter and I'm jealous of this woman who weighs one third of what I weigh. I'm jealous of her calves. She's got the most muscular, <laughs> well-formed, <laughs> well-formed calves I've ever seen. And we were going out on our very first date, as a matter of fact, and uh, she was getting ready. Uh, she was on vacation in the States and we were at a, uh, uh, a mutual friend's house and Snoopy was getting ready and she went walking past. I'm like, I just gotta, I, I, I gotta see these lumps under her jeans. Is that her jeans or is that her calves? So I gave it a little squeeze and I confirmed those were muscular calves. <laughs> yep. Well, no, so uh, yeah. uh, humor, humor is a big part of, uh, I think it's a big part of any relationship. It's definitely a part of ours. You know, I'm a stand-up comedian, and, and when I write my comedy, very much of what I write is is uh, is based on you and my experiences and my handlings with you. So there's, there's a lot to tease, and it's all done in fun. I mean, do people really think you're some kind of oppressed woman who's going to sit here and just take it? And I put that in air quotes, just take it and let me make fun of you. And it's <clears throat> suppressing you or it's... Uh... I think if you ask anyone who knows me, and, uh, especially my colleagues maybe, they'll just be a big question mark uh, if they heard that statement of whoever said that, that I'm oppressed or whatever that is mean. Because they know me, and or not all of them, but... Those who know me know that you know how to speak up for yourself. I, yeah, and I know they know that I can I can handle um, being messed with a little bit, <laughs> and um, and uh, my goodness, I mess with people, and I have this uh, strange humor. I guess you have very strange humor. Yeah. It took me a long time, and in fact, still today, to this very day, after twenty years, which you, you can say things with this dryness, and I just don't see the humor in it until. Yeah afterwards or until you explain it and people think oh my gosh she's she's so mad. mean yeah. she's so mean oh my gosh and i'm just i'm because well you are but no i'm i'm not really mean it's just that i keep a straight face when i joke and people <laughs> just they get so unsure they don't know what to do um i guess i don't really mean to it just happens it's not whether you mean to or not that's just your style of humor Look, look, every, everybody has different kinds of humor. Um, every stand-up comic has a different way of expressing that humor. Every couple, whether you're married or just, uh, you know, living together, just boyfriend, girlfriend, dating, every couple has their own internal um, humor, you know, that forms part of their, part of their relationship. So I, I just thought it was interesting that this person took it so seriously the things that I say to you or say yeah. about you and stuff that they actually thought it was, uh, my impression was that they thought it was in some sort of suppressive manner. Well, maybe they need to take a better look at themselves. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I think that's a bit of projection, actually. Yeah, yeah that's probably what. There's a lot of other things that this person said, and I think 99.9% .9 of what was said in that conversation, because this was a conversation I had. This wasn't some sort of written exchange. This was a verbal conversation. Okay. And I think 99.9% .9 of it was, was, uh, was projection.
Right. They, you know, it's things that, that but, but isn't that a psychological factor? You who works in that field, that is what a lot of people do. If mm. you haven't, for whatever reason, if you haven't been able to <clears throat> fix yourself, if you haven't been able to, to deal with your own problem, you will point out that exact same problem that you perceive exists in others. Right. Isn't that what projection is? Mm. You guys probably have a different name for it in Norwegian, no. or something like that, but uh, projection no, it, is, it, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that happens uh, quite often. So, yeah, I'm... I do know how to speak Norwegian people, by the way. I'm just teasing her. See, I tease. I tease. Why? Because I love, period. Yeah. Little Mike Myers there. Mike Myers? Of course you don't know who that is. No. <laughs> I just have... To have a little bit of breakfast here. Yeah, what do you eat? Tell, tell people what you're eating and how you're eating it, because it's really <laughs> disgusting. No, it's not. I'm sorry, it's disgusting. Let me try and show it in camera. The, do you guys see that? See. That is a black piece of bread. It's homemade. With uh, some weird kind, it looks like brains, but it's some sort of jam or, mar, it's, or it's marmalade or something. Marmalade. Apelsin marmalade. Marmalade, I got your marmalade right here. And she's taking that concoction mm. and dipping it into an otherwise mm. good and tasty cappuccino. Mm -hmm. And then she's eating it. The Italian way. No, it's Italian yeah, way. But what country are we in? For God's sakes. Yeah, that's I why That's why Italy. you do these things. You're confused. You don't know where mm. you are. I love Italy. And their food there? Oh my gosh. I bet it's good. That is the best. Do you know food when we came here? Italy. When we, when we, uh, when you dragged me over here, um, I met you on a Saturday, and I woke up in Norway on on the following Sunday. But when we came here, one of the things that I said, mm -hmm. both to my friends and family back home, I said it to you, I said it to people that I was meeting here. I said it's going to be so good to be here because I will have so easy access to traveling within Europe, and I haven't been anywhere. I know, because I don't know. I haven't been you anywhere. Know, I have. I've been to Sweden. Yeah. Because we... Um, and Finland. Because we, when we drive up to our place up north, we, we it's a little bit of a shortcut somewhat, or an easier drive if we cut into Sweden <laughs> and then go up and then dip back into Norway. I've driven through parts of Finland mm -hmm. on that trip. Um, that's I've been, been to, Denmark, to I've been you? to Denmark for work. Oh, yeah. That's one time. Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that, I haven't been, I, I have not traveled anywhere. Now, part of that, there's a couple of reasons for that. Part of that is because there's been so much to experience here in Norway. I still, I still get chills on the back of my neck, up and down my arms when I think of our trips that we've taken, like going out West to Bergen and, and just exploring Norway in the car. As you know, and as I've said several times on the podcast, I love road trips like mm -hmm. that. So when I can have experiences like that, that satisfies my need to explore and to travel. Like I said, I think there's so much new, even now after 20 years, there's so many new things I have yet to experience here in Norway. So that satisfies my travel. But there's also this, the, and I'm sorry, people, you know, you know, I mean, I'm not sorry, Um and I, because I, I know people are going to comment this, I'm going to get emails and comments and stuff. 
But there is a lot. I mean, you you have racism, ultra racism in in the U.S., but you've got this weird, sneaky, creepy, disturbing and confusing type of racism in Europe. You have, if you if you go back, what was that, around 2014, 2015, when there was a huge uh, migration of people coming from North Africa and then going by boat to Italy and to Greece, and they were forming gangs, like, like people who deputized themselves, and they're roaming the streets on these, uh, these Greek islands and in, and in uh, southern Italy, and going around and just beating the living daylights out of men, women, and children who had immigrated, you know, as as refugees from 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 Africa. And I didn't really hear. I didn't really hear too much about that. There was no reaction of outrage. These people were pretty much taking on all things Nazi and replicating that in their campaign against these these Africans who had come into Europe. What do you say, Snoopy? Mm, I'm, yeah, excuse me. But I, As you stuff your face mm, with that slop. Mm, oh, gosh. <laughs> is it good, really? Is that it really is good? It is very good. Is it really? Well, my bread could have been a little bit better. Yeah, that's but homemade hey, bread. Yeah, Actually, you, 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 was, make, uh, you make very good homemade bread. That, yeah. that one turned out a little different. I don't yeah. Know, is I, that a I new used, recipe or something? No, I used too big of... Um, you know that thing you put the dough in. What do you call it? For oh, the bread pan. Yeah. Yeah. It was too big, so the bread got too flat. <laughs> okay, is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Any. Anyway, what do you say about this this strange race? Because well, you, I, I, I can remember I asked you when we came here. Hey, Snoop, what's what's the what's the racial makeup of Norway? Yeah. Are there any black people there? Is there any racism? Oh no, there's, no there's nothing you said. And I, I haven't noticed any racism when I'm traveling in Europe either. <laughs> well, of course you yeah, haven't. Of course not. <laughs> but why? Why is? I mean, it's, it, to me, it's it's quite easy to explain. See, I, I can't get mad at white. Well, white Americans should know better because no. it's it's so ingrained in American history. But white Europeans, I can't get angry or upset with them if they are not conscious of. The no, realities but, of racism, because it's a different history, and if you live your white European life, um, maybe not so much now in Norway, but just a few years ago, t- five, ten years, ten years ago in Norway, it was not unusual for a white ethnic Norwegian to have pretty much no contact with people of color. Uh huh. Yep. And that was your situation. Uh, no, not, not really. Not really. No, really. No. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so it's 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 explainable why you said that there was no racism in Norway. Why you felt that there was no racism? Yeah, in but there was. You know, I had uh, one of my friends was fr- uh, refugee from um, uh, Somalia. Um, you know, How do you know he was from Somalia? She was it. She. She said so. And the forehead. I don't know anything about that. Oh, I, don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that. Inside joke. Anyway. anyway. Um, so uh, she never said anything. I had another friend from... Um, what do you mean she never yeah, said anything? About racism. No. And I uh, had another friend. I don't remember where she was from. She was... Uh, oh, yeah. The Ivory Coast. Very nice. The Ivory Coast. But and isn't her, it... You know, it but isn't it such that if you are a black 
especially a black man, as long as you stay within that little box that some Norwegians on the right have made for you. You know, you're a black immigrant here in Norway. This is what we expect of you. As long as you stay within that confine, they don't have a problem with you. But the minute you stick your head up yeah, well. and you do something different, you do something outside of that norm and you kind of rise above the expectations, that's when the criticism comes and that's when the racism shows its ugly head. <clears throat> I think it, it's, it's um, a couple of things there. It's called jealousy. And if you're black, Amen. it's jealousy and racism. Jealousy it, and racism right. is an ugly combination. Yeah. Because I think that um, if you, um, I'm not talking about the cities. If you move out in the country, and uh, the countryside. Mm-hmm. Um, As we lived up north. Right. Yeah. Depending on where you live. Yeah. And uh, probably also depending on how you present yourself or whatever. Uh, but if you... Um, if you kind of raise up and, and you, you uh, have success in whatever and, and, um, and voice your opinion um, and, uh, and people see that, oh, wow, they came here right away and, and right away they, they, are, they, they know this, that, and the other. <clears throat> That's not right. But see, it, but know, again, it's very location. It's very location dependent because mm-hmm. where we have our place up on Ceylon, those oh, people are beautiful. Oh, I was just I talking about. Yeah. I was just talking about those people. To any of you who are mm-hmm. listening right now, any of our good friends and family up on Ceylon, I love you guys. I was. I have always been so. Uh, you know, the welcome that they've given me has always been so warm, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and this charming curiosity that they've had. Uh, you, you can't beat it. But then there's other places where we've lived where, where I kind of came on the scene doing what I was doing, whether it was in business or entertainment or whatever, and and, uh, and they didn't like it. <laughs> no, but first of all, uh, because you, you did you did well, and, and then people got jealous, but on top of that, you were black. Yeah. So then you... And there's that then, combination. Then the racism kicks in right away. Now, if you would have not... Stuck your nose out, so so to speak, you know. If I'd have been scrubbing floors, well, if you would in just a business, been, if I'd have been quiet, doing well, uh, some not, sort of manual nine to five, right? They wouldn't have said much. Right. Um, yeah. So so it's uh, that's what I think anyway. Um, but then, um, I I I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting how different. Um, things are from whatever place you are at. It's very location, Norway. very location dependent. And, and it is, a, you know, we have a l- very long country. The country is very long. Um, if you turn Norway upside down. What is it, like 1,500 kilometers? No, if you turn it upside down, the north of Norway will reach down to the south of Italy. Yeah, isn't it like 1,500 kilometers? I don't know. I, I think mean, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep well, talking. I'm going to look that up. 2000, 2000 maybe. I yeah. think, yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and if you think about what is between Norway and south of Italy, a lot of cultures, right? Yes. And, yeah. and you kind of, you kind of get that in Norway, you know, not like a, a totally different culture, but, you know, in this valley, this is how they do it. But in the yeah, but next it is valley, quite different they do cultures. Different. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very. You can just so, drive sometimes just down the street, not even five yeah. kilometers, and you've got a different dialect. 
Oh yeah, the dialects are totally different but too. But with that yeah. comes certain right. ways of mm-hmm. thinking, certain social customs, and so right. so it can be quite different yeah. from one valley to and, the next. You you mentioned because you know, of geographical isolation. You mentioned um, where our home is, Posailam, <laughs> uh, and and uh, and that's a society where people were dependent on each other in order to survive. Yeah. Throughout, you know. Uh, it's an island. You couldn't always... Let me just jump in here. 2,363 yeah. right. kilometers from Nordkop to Lindesnes. Yeah. Lindesnes, sorry. So anyway, so so you, if you, uh, if it was stormy weather, uh, you couldn't get to the store. Um, you had to, uh, of course, there was no cars back then or a road. Um and and the men were out was out fishing, so it was ma- mostly women and children. Can you hand me that writing pad right there, the big one, and that pencil, the orange <clears throat> pencil? So anyway, so so um, so that society yeah, there yeah. is very dependent on each other, and and yeah. and you can still see that um, when you get up there, that uh, you know you can like my gosh. This uh, this summer, um, Knut, um, he he helped me. Uh, he was he he was there for like two days helping me, and and I wanted the kind to, of neighborly. Uh, yeah, and it's like, oh my gosh, Knut, what I can I can you need to get uh, paid for this? No, 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 nothing. And it's like, what can I do? Back? Well, it's just a great little yeah, society yeah. up there, and you you've got that kind of. Uh, warmth and and that welcoming feeling uh, throughout Norway, but then again, that can also lead to that isolation can lead to tribalism, and then if you have racist thoughts, if you follow a racist ideology, it can just be magnified because everybody around you agrees with you. Mm-hmm. There's nobody telling you you're a jackass for believing that. You know, you just get right. those ridiculous racist thoughts yeah, reinforced. Yeah, but if, if you if you say something, you get uh, frozen out. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah everybody is. Everybody is, is is singular in their thinking, and then, uh, yeah. If if you if you step outside of that, then you're the one that's going to be ostracized. Look at the place we lived. I stuck outside because you know I raised my hand, and when um, we had that meeting at the uh, at the county, where like the uh, the health all the healthcare workers and uh, child child care child welfare uh, services well, and whatnot. No, every, everybody kind of yeah. and and the and the top politicians in the county yeah. was and they had like this thing. Yeah, we were gonna do a research in the county and and um, and then they had all these questions and one of the questions and they were about to jump right over that. Yeah, yeah, uh, racism. We don't have any of that, do we? So we just move on. And I said, stop, stop. Mm-hmm. Don't you have any racism? And then I went down the line because nobody knew I was married to a black guy and nobody knew that I was a Laplander. Yeah. And there was racism towards both of those um, type of yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, so back to Italy. <laughs> back to Italy? I haven't been there yet. No, so. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, in... in um, uh, when I was in Italy, I had a, a couple of friends, very nice ladies from Peru. Um, in uh, and this were one, they there legally, by the way? No, mm. uh, not to begin with. Uh, so that's why they were exploited. 
um, you know, by... Uh, they were basically <coughs> slaves. They were basically modern slaves oh from the stories you've gosh, told me. Yes, because I was there as a nanny. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were supposed to be and originally. that's what they, yeah. But they ended up having to <coughs> pretty well, much get in all kinds of other work they, thrown they on them. They had to do everything. Yeah. And, and this, uh, um, this lady that I was uh, more um, together with, uh, she she was a nanny with the sister of the lady I was a nanny at. Uh, so I had to, you know, watch the baby <laughs> and iron some clothes. And that was pretty much it. You were what, in your, in your early 20s? Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and she had to get up in the morning, get the babies ready, make the breakfast, do the laundry, iron the clothes, make lunch, and then dinner, you know. And, now, and she had like two hours off. Now, you, you weren't treated the best, but they treated you much better than oh, they treated those years. Now, do you think that's because they were, do you think it's because it, it was more of a power position because they were there illegally, so this family could, in their arrogance, exploit these two yep. ladies? Yep. Or do you think it's because they were brown no. and there was a racism factor? Mm-mm. I don't think it had anything to do with that. It had. To I'd be- like to talk to those two girls, so I bet you they'd have a different <laughs> opinion. They might, but they never said anything like that to me. But they, because uh, I talked with her about this, I said, why do you put up with all this? Why do you, have, you you know, you're standing in here, it's, it's so hot, you're sweating, and you have to iron like that big pile of uh, clothes and, and all that. And she said, well, I don't have a choice. I'm here Isn't illegally. that sad? Isn't it sad that she was in that position? Extremely sad. Now, and for those, I want to just put in something, because there's a lot of people who will right away say, well, they shouldn't have been there illegally. Well, well of course not, but, but people get driven to do those things because... It, you, you, people have to understand how destitute people can be in certain parts of this world. Yeah. Uh, this was at a time in Peru. You know, I'm not too familiar Early with how things 90s. are now. Yeah. I'm not familiar with so much about it now, but I know it during during those days, people were desperately poor. Mm-hmm. People were desperately poor. You can you can you can kind <clears throat> of see a, a mirroring of that situation. Not kind of. You can see a mirroring of that situation with the current border crisis in the United States with all of these people coming from most recently from Haiti and stuff. This is pure desperation. So those two ladies left Peru to go there because that was the best opportunity that they saw for themselves. I'm not sure, but I would imagine a lot of the money, if not all of the money that they made, they sent home to care for their family. That was what was I common. Would, That's what yeah. is common that women do in situations like that. Well, yeah, I would. Um, I think they uh, they um, did uh, that. I kept in touch with them for many years after you I did. Yeah, and uh, and they got themselves an apartment in uh, Milan, um, and uh, and they worked hard. And they went to school. You think they're still there? You probably don't have their phone numbers anymore. Well, you know what? I think I have her, uh, the one lady's phone number, and I've been thinking, I've been trying to get a hold of her, finding her Facebook. I haven't found her. But anyway, the last time I talked with her, um, she has some good, some, some very, very high uh, computer education type of thing. And um, she's married, uh, and I think she's living in Switzerland. 
Switzerland, the land of the Switzers. Yes. Switzerland. Yeah. Anyway, so um, no, yeah, it's I, you. Can, I can only imagine what they've what they went through. But see, that's how that's how um, human trafficking flourishes. It, it's it's a simple thing of, and it really is simple to exploit these people who are desperate <clears throat> because they're in a situation where no one is going to speak up for them. I mean, you have we we can never have enough. Um, um, non-government uh, organizations, uh, volunteer organizations to help these people mm-hmm. because I believe that as, as much focus as has been put on um, modern-day slavery and human trafficking and, and, and exploitation of, of, of migrants, uh, I believe we've only scratched the surface because those people are so easy to exploit and take advantage of. They're desperate. Yeah. And, and a desperate and it person same, will... Uh, it was the same thing, you know, same situation with the sister uh, of this lady. I that was, you know, like my best friend at that time there in Italy, uh, and and uh, and here I was, you know, I was I came from Norway. I could just turn back home, and uh, so uh, they said, "Well, you don't iron this these clothes good enough." I said, "Okay, well, goodbye," and I left. You know? That's right. That's why yeah. you left because yeah. you got tired of them saying that yeah. you ironing underwear and socks and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And you first see, and this is so you, you've always been snoopish like this. I could picture you just saying, why in the world are they ironing underwear and socks? I know. And then I why would they criticize it. the way I iron underwear yeah. and socks? Yeah. But yeah, they, they said um, a couple of times and then you, yeah. you, you said, nope, I'm, 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 I'm gone. Yeah. So I packed my bags, said goodbye. I walked out the gate. Did they ever try to take your passport? Oh, no, actually, no, actually, they, um, he had to drive me back to Milan because my, um, my, uh, most of my clothes were in Milan, in my apartment, because I had my own apartment there with these people. They were, this was at their vacation spot. That's right. Were they, but sponsor- they, were, nice. were they sponsoring that apartment? Or did yeah, you pay yeah. for it? No, no. That was them. The, that was their apartment. So they were nice people. And, and, um, and the, the, the family there, they were nice people. There was nothing wrong. Um, well, so how did so that go speak. then when you left? I mean, the, yeah, the, the the husband drove me back to Milan. No, no, leading up to it. it it's not that they just criticized you one time no, no, and you no. left. Was this well, a. Yeah, I said. Well, was there any drama in <coughs> no, this? You no. say they were and nice they people, said, but it yeah. seems a little odd. No, they said that, uh, you know. Uh, we, we, you know, you can't, uh, if you can't iron better, we, we're going to have to let you go. And I said, yeah, fine. Let me go. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, and, and it, and it was no drama with it really. So, so he took me back to, uh, to Milan. Um, and then, uh, I went out home to Norway, worked for a while. And then I went back to Italy to visit my friend there, mm-hmm. you know, and um, she was so surprised, and they were too, because I came back visiting. But see, as a and there is your there is your safe, secure, somewhat lofty mm-hmm. position as a Norwegian citizen yeah, I got that the you money. had the exactly that yeah. you had the means to come and go as mm-hmm. you please. Whereas yep. these two were trapped, right. and therein lies the economical differences. Mm-hmm. That so many people try to ignore you. It's so easy for these people to see what's happening on the news for, with these Haitians, for example, and say, "Well, they shouldn't be at the, the the U.S. border anyway. Why are they there?" And 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 they're just totally erasing this. Lo- not not just the recent history 
of political upheaval, you know, within the last few months of political upheaval in, in Haiti and yet another earthquake in Haiti. Not just that, but going back decades, going back a couple centuries. And people want to just erase that and just look at the practical side of it from their lofty position of safety and security and say, well, why are they there in the first place? That's illegal. Well, I also have news for people. It's not illegal to be at a border, to cross into another country and seek asylum. That is a human right that has been decided by the United Nations. It's not illegal to do that. So I, I wish people... <clears throat> We get a, well, I know what it is. It's people on the right. It's racists and political right-wingers who may or may not be racist who are pushing that narrative that to be at the border is an illegal act. And that's just not true. It's a human right to show up at the border, cross into a country, and then seek asylum. That's a human right. Since when has it not been, you know, Americans... Your grandparents, maybe your parents, maybe you, your great-grandparents or your great-great-grandparents, somebody in your family line at one point sought asylum in one f fashion or another to come to the United States. How, how can the, people the forget Norway, that? Um, I think that two-third, they say like two-third, a big chunk anyway, mm. of Norway uh, left and went to the States. Well, the thing is, is if you are a black American and, or, or a Native American, if you're not a black American or a Native American, mm -hmm. then at some point you or your family were immigrants to the United exactly. States. Yeah. Yep. Period. 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 Yep. So are you that ignorant? And I'll use the word ignorant. Are you that ignorant as to, as to forget your own family history? And then point at others and put them down and denigrate them and call them criminals. Yeah, Are you that uh, ignorant? That's incredible. And and I'm thinking, you know, with with um, the people that I saw in in uh, when when we lived there in the states, how proud the people were of their heritage. If they were from Poland. Uh, but the thing is, and, and and that's fine to be proud of their heritage. But what I find so hypocritical is that they're proud of their heritage, but they will forget the origins of that story. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I mean. So that's uh, that's strange. But anyway, we were talking about Europe. Oh yeah. No, but but we you kind of branched off. But it's it, it's um. It's interesting. I, I, to, to be honest, I have no desire. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Oh I have gosh, no... you are missing a lot. It's beautiful. <sighs> I'm sure it is. I know it <laughs> is. Know? I know it is. But <coughs> I, I, do... I I'm like trying to... to remember where it was. Just a couple of days ago, there was a discussion about, um, uh, yeah, a bunch of expats, expats from, from different countries, uh, not just the United States, but England, um, uh, and I'm talking about people of color, uh, <clears throat> people of Latin origin or of black American origin. And they were talking about their experiences when traveling. This is just a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. uh, their experiences when traveling from their host country and then out to different countries in Europe. And I, I, I'm a patient man. I don't like conflict, you know that. I don't like violence. But some of the stories that they tell, and I, I find myself wondering, would I have been able to keep my cool if I was treated like that? 
I'm talking about black women going to places like Italy and Cyprus. Mm -hmm. These are the countries that come up very often. Italy, Cyprus, Greece. And say again? No, nothing. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, And and they're, they're trying to check into a hotel or something. And these, these black women, um, will be accused of being prostitutes. Hmm. What? You know, what, what is that? Just because they have brown skin, they're black women, mm-hmm. the go-to category that they're placed in is prostitute. Refugee slash prostitute. Right. Uh, men automatically it's assumed that there's some sort of a drug dealer, criminal, Mm -hmm. uh, refugee with criminal intent. These are firsthand stories. It's not like I heard or someone. No, these are people telling their stories in this forum. I don't know. And I find find it so (laughs) repulsive. It's very wrong. Absolutely. Of course, it's very wrong. And yeah. my, but my my whole thing is, is and I've said this quite quite often. I've said this a lot before. Uh, I have so much empathy, sympathy, and understanding for the situation of immigrants to Norway, especially Black immigrants, because I know what I've been subjected to here in Norway mm-hmm. as as a brown skinned immigrant. But I have a background that is a lot more strong in resources to strengthen my self-image and my resolve, right? So that when I'm met with that kind of stuff, I can, I can get through it. I can ignore it or I can deal with it in a way and, and I get over it. But there's other people, other black and brown immigrants to Norway who have a history of trauma, a history of a broken self-image. And then they get met with that kind of crap to say the least, the kind of crap I've been met with, but theirs is probably twice as bad just because of their their circumstances here in Norway. And I wonder how many people are broken because of that. And the broken father and mother are going to probably raise children who are somewhat broken. So then it becomes a generational thing. And I think it's all because of, I call it social arrogance. People who are so arrogant about their own position and their own status, and their their nation's way of, I put in air quotes, doing things. Um, yeah. You know, well, take take off that hijab. We don't do that here in Norway. Well, you know what? You do do that in Norway because there's a lot of people in Norway now that wear a hijab. So this is now part of Norwegian society. But people don't want to admit that. People look at that as some sort of watering down of Norwegian culture. Well, and their reaction then is to denigrate and come with racism. I don't know how uh, I haven't been in uh, in Cyprus in, in uh, what? At least 20 years since you've had a black husband, but go ahead. No. Um, <laughs> you said no, you were there in your, in your late teens was the last time, wasn't it? Or? No, when I uh, when, uh, was done with uh, ninth grade. Early teens. Uh, Fifteen. That's right, yeah. 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 So how many years? Well, you don't need to say how many years ago. It's many, many years ago. She's old. Oh, shta. Night anyway, sweats and everything. She's old. Uh, oh, yeah. my anyway, go goodness. Ahead. <laughs> <coughs> you be careful now. So anyway, so I haven't been there since then, but I, I, I cannot really remember seeing 
any black people in Cyprus when I was there. It was well, the migrant situation, the immigration right. situation was totally different. It back wasn't. Then. It yeah. was non-existent. Right. Um, and uh, and uh, I would think that some of these islands, up until the uh, immigration really started, uh, it was pretty much tourists and uh, and from northern Europe and yeah. uh, and and people from Greece, yeah. you know, and and tourists also from uh, south of Europe. So. Uh, and I remember, and and I would think, without knowing, <clears throat> so I might be totally wrong, but thinking about how it was here in the seventies, you know, we couldn't, we hardly ever saw any black people. Right. Um, I would think the situation is probably similar uh, in 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 Greece. Yeah, but uh, see, but I I, don't know. I think no, I know no, what no. you're getting at. Yeah, I but, think I know what you're getting at. Yeah, but but, but so so you have to, uh, but. Is not an excuse, but it's an explanation. Yeah, it's but like it's a really weak explanation for for their racist actions. Uh, I think what you're getting at is because it, there's it's it's so new, immigration is so new. It's no, so recent that. that black and brown not people have come. Yeah, but hold on, let me no, just take. No, me, no, you've been talking for a long time. Now it's my turn. The coming on podcast with Snoopy. Sorry, yes. I said this, this is the wrong so title. So anyway, um, <laughs> is is um, when. Um, Fast forward 2015, um, they they uh, have seen black people. There have been black people, I'm sure of, and refugees and, okay, and stuff yeah. in and on those islands. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> here comes um, boatloads and boatloads of immigrants, and they are more, twice, three times, four times, five times, six times as ma- many as the people who actually live on this island. Um, and they don't they don't have people to take care of them they don't have shelter for them they don't have anything for them yeah but you're and going under understand. the assumption that all those refugees want to stay on that one island we're talking about an entire nation <coughs> of here course. Of okay course. but see but see here here's here's the thing um here, here's what i said I, we, you and i were talking about this sitting on the couch the other night about the, the haitians that are uh, coming into the united states mm-hmm. and they're just being arbitrarily put on planes and sent back to Haiti, or at least they were at, for, for at least a couple of days. I think they've changed the situation now, but I'm thinking about immigrants in general who just get turned away. How many of those people could be quite influential in a Absolutely. positive, in a positive Absolutely. manner? How about, okay, there's, there's 5,000 immigrants on this Island. How about having the apparatus put into place to, to vet those people for however long it takes and sort them out. You might have some people who are maybe one class away from being a, a, a doctor, a medical doctor, a physician. You might have people who are, who need maybe just another uh, three semesters and they'll be an engineer. Think about what those people could potentially contribute to, to your society and then get them into your country. That's what the United States used to do but because of right-wing rhetoric racist rhetoric if you are a refugee on the u.s border you are most likely a criminal that's the narrative that they're putting out there yeah and that's right and that is to the detriment of the united states how many good people are we just turning away at the doorstep yep how many how many uh, yeah, I'm starting yeah. to babble here because I, yeah, I get so engaged, yeah, no, but it's 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 uh, yeah. 
I'm getting uh, it's a frust it's a frustration frustration it's a frustrating 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 do you need help with your language it's a frustrating situation no so those are just a couple of things I want to talk about let me to to wrap it up what you got to pee or something I'm cold and my voice is starting to my voice is yeah you have spoken a lot no Whatever. Just anyway, one, and one I, thing no, I, wanna... I want to say one more thing. Oh, I just, boy. My, my uh, thing about Cyprus. When I was there, mm. there was no crime whatsoever. Oh. You know, <clears throat> you know they have their siesta, a couple, of, couple yeah. hours or whatever, in the yeah. other day. Yeah. So my friend uh, and I was walking in the streets, and, and, and it was in the siesta. And we wanted to, we saw a... a Gold uh, Gulsma, uh, was a jeweler store, and we and we want to go in there and look. So we went in there and look, and guess what? All the gold chains, everything was out. There was yeah. nobody there. They were home eating or sleeping or whatever, yeah. but the store was open, mm-hmm. and that's how it was. And now it's done come up from, uh, yeah. from Africa, and that's oh my just. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> and now they have to lock their doors and. <laughs> Oh boy, we okay, joke, anyway. but you know what? Actually, people use that—you know—the timing of this influx of immigrants and a rise in crime, and then they'll use that as a reason to be against immigration. It's—it's—it's it's, it's really disgusting. It's really short-sighted, and I don't know of any nation that benefits from that way of thinking. Okay, let's close that chapter. Yeah, I think one last should. thing I want to—one last thing that I want to uh, address is uh, thank you all for your support. Uh, thank you all for your uh, kind thoughts and encouragement since my last surgery. As you can see, I'm not moving this arm very much at all. Um, the latest step in my sh- series of shoulder surgeries was a detached. They detached the long head of my bicep, which attaches up in there, and then they've put it in here. Uh, it remains to be seen if um, uh, the goals of that surgery have been reached, but we will see. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I don't have too many more surgeries. I'm tired. But thank you all for your support. Um, I'm going to be okay. It's going to be a long road to build up my strength and uh, mobility again. But um, I like challenges. Hopefully soon I'll be able to start training again. Which, by the way, oh yeah, and this and this is important. Just because I posted that last video talking about what you have to do uh, or what I do rather in between surgeries to get back in the shape on the, on the, uh, on the thumbnail image on YouTube, there's a picture of me sitting at the microphone and then a picture of me, you know, jacked and posing in front of the, 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 the camera. People assume that that was me like that day training. No people. I cannot train. I'm, I'm newly operated and I'm freshly operated. I am not training at the moment. So I don't want to spread. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I've got to heal. As you can see, I can't, I'm not moving this arm at all because I really can't. So I don't, I want to say that because I don't want people to think that something that is unattainable is possible. You can't get the kind of surgery that I had and then start training just a few days afterwards. That image that I put with that video, uh, and again, this was episode 151, the previous episode uh, to this one. Uh, That image was the last picture that was taken of me, what, maybe two days before 
this last surgery. So that is not me training after surgery. I just wanted to clear that up. But thank you all for thinking I'm such a Superman specimen that I could <laughs> just jump into training right after surgery. Um, yeah, so that's it. Anything else? Training is very important. Training is very important. You know, and after, here's that, but, but there's another extreme. There's people who are saying, oh my gosh, be careful. No, no I'm no, not going to no. be careful. I'm going to be smart because after surgery, <clears throat> the worst thing you can do is stay immobile yeah. for too long of a period. You've got to move. Mm -hmm. You've got to stimulate your body. You've got to have blood flow to the injured area and you've got to start that training process. But don't do it too soon. But for God's sakes, don't wait too long. Right. And, and it is uh, to be in, um, to train. And I'm not talking about uh, being like, uh, like with you, like a national, uh, on national level, but training and, and, and uh, staying in, in kind of in shape. Mm. Um, it is very important the older you get uh, yes. to prevent yes. um, health problems, to prevent that you have to have a surgery, but also <sighs> if you, or in an accident or whatever, you will get back on your feet so much easier. And it's also a mental thing. If you are used to somewhat pain when you train, yes, then you will and and uh, are used to training through some pain. Yes, then it will be easier when you have to actually walk there you go. and have exactly. Pain. I train for growth, and growth <clears throat> is painful, and that pain prepares me for these recovery periods. After surgery, that was a big point that I'm not too sure that I focused on during that last video, but it is very important. If you know you have a surgery coming, as I have, as I have every time, use that time leading up to that surgery to prepare yourself by getting in the best shape possible. I can't say that often enough. It's so important. As upset as I've gotten, you know, depressed and frustrated, I've always had it in my head that I have to get in it. You know, this is after seven, eight, nine surgeries. I've always had it in my mind mm -hmm. as a focus to get in as good a shape as possible. That doesn't mean top shape best ever, but in as good a shape as possible. Mm. You know, through evaluation, through coordination with physical therapists and my surgeon best shape as possible before each surgery. That's important. It aids dramatically in the I've recovery. I've seen this so many times. I saw it with my dad. Remember that? And and uh, they were ready after his, what number of stroke he had, they were ready to throw him into a, um, a, a nursing home where he was just going to be bedridden. Yep. Uh, I pushed him and yep. I got him into uh, rehab. And and uh, big difference, and big humongous difference. And the only reason they they did that, let him get into rehab, is because they knew me, and they knew <clears throat> when I said that he was in shape <laughs> of doing that, they would. Yeah. And because I scared them, of course. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and and uh, it made all the difference in the world. Big difference. They didn't think he would survive. Exactly. It put some years on his life, literally. Right. <clears throat> and and. Uh, with my surgery, in my uh, when I had my broken neck, uh, all these places, I was told, Anna, you're never going to walk in the mountains again, you know? And you had to uh, sit uh, uh, still for so and so long. And I said, well, you know, and I signed myself out of the hospital and I started walking. And I was up in that mountain before I took that collar thing off. Hey, you still you had know? a neck brace, but you were <coughs> hiking in the mountains. Right, yeah. yeah. 
So, so um, mindset. It has to do with mindset. Yeah, and but also because I was in pretty good shape before but the see, surgery, but see, and that is so uh, that, important. Exactly, and that's something that a lot of doctors and surgeons don't take into consideration. Is that whole thing about <laughs> mindset? You know, doctor. You know, people, doctors, and people tell me, oh, "Well, now you have to take it easy." No, I do not have to take it easy. Yeah. I'm going to train smart. Yeah, and I think, but I think that's and, changing. Well, look at the surgeon yeah. I have. She's the. Yeah. Doctor Lundgren, I love you to death. I don't know if you're listening. You're probably <laughs> chopping up somebody's body right now. But if you're listening, I love you to death. She. She understands that. She has backed me one hundred percent with my. Uh, with my training and therapy in between surgeries, uh, uh, I don't hear this crap about having to 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 take it easy. You know, we, she gives me a plan uh, and along with a physical therapist, a plan. But that plan, I never hear the words "take it easy." It's all about training smart and doing what we know is right. But right. but being inactive—that's not good medicine. Nope. That is not good medicine. Active recovery. Yep. And. Uh, uh, I talked with my friend uh, at kickboxing the other day. Um, <clears throat> he has, uh, as long as I've known him, since the 80s, he's been training like a maniac. Um, and then he had all these um, surgeries and brain surgeries and so on. And he would never be standing up talking with me if he hadn't had that mindset, first of all. Yep. You know, being able to work through pain, knowing that um, you know you have to have a little pain in order to get to 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 get better, and also being in such a good shape to begin with. Yeah. So it's, it's so important. Here's the thing: it's never a bad thing to be in shape, and no. any physical ailments that you're going to meet in your life, right. whether you're young or old or in between, it will always be a benefit to be in great shape yeah. before that ailment or that injury hits you. So, you know, I, I'd like to live for a long time. Right. So I need to be in as good a shape as, as, as possible. Yeah. So are we going to have chocolate tonight? Chocolate, uh, pizza, <laughs> and uh, if I can talk you into it, then... Uh, <coughs> you know what I've been craving? Burger King. Ugh, no. I, I know really... it's horrible food, but I've been craving that yeah, well, salty, I greasy... Am not, I'm not driving. Um, Anywhere? Well, see, that's what it's going to take. So, I'm going to have to talk you in the yeah, drive. And, and you can't. Don't you love me? Yeah, I love you so much that I'm so not going to buy you. Not going to buy any well, Burger I walked King. In, I walked into sure. that one. Yeah. No, no Burger King. No, um, let's wind this up. Um, I got to go. Thank you all so much for your support. Thank you all for watching. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, thank you for doing that. But no matter where you're hearing this or watching this, look in the comments section or I'm sorry, in the description of this episode, and you'll see how you can uh, support the work that I do on the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Um, I'm going to give you a little teaser. There's some oh, no. big... Gonna, and, huh? I want to give them a little teaser. Oh, that sounds sexy. Say that again. <laughs> Say that again. I want to give them a little teaser. Okay, here we go. Video killed the radio star. Oh, gosh. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. I, I, there's some big and exciting things that are happening in uh, relation to, to, to me and the work that I do uh, in this podcast. So uh, get ready. Um, the time will come relatively soon where I'll be making an announcement. So hang with me. Um, yes, that is a blatant teaser, but um, it'll be worth the wait when I when I put this news out there. It's going to be exciting. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be 
fun. It's going to be fun, says Snoopy. Okay, everybody. Thank you. Bye now. Bye now.